Well, welcome back to the Ubu Nation and happy Friday. I hope you have something very leisurely and unproductive planned for the weekend. Now, today I wanted to talk a little bit about a book that I have been reading with the rather dark title, Conspiracy Against Liberty. And this book is from 1976, and it's by the it's by contributors from a now defunct, or at least mostly defunct, organization called Liberty Lobby. And what the book is about is in 1974, the Anti-Defamation League coordinated an attack on this group who did radio spots and tried to make all sorts of different things happen. Now, as far as I'm concerned, the jury is still out on Liberty Lobby, and as you can imagine, this book being written by their members is somewhat self-serving. But I found, I, so far I have found it very interesting as a sort of commentary on what the Anti-Defamation League did, how they did it, and really how this is still something that we're seeing today. Uh, how this these tactics have evolved with information and over time. And furthermore, just how these tactics have been used to kind of move the culture incrementally toward the left. So in this episode, I'm not so much talking about Liberty Lobby or the Anti-Defamation League as I am using them as examples of what is going on today and how it has changed since the 70s. Now, Liberty Lobby was a nationalist, right-wing, isolationist group. I guess nowadays we would call them paleocons, and they were against United States policy in the Middle East, specifically regarding Israel. So, as you can imagine, that caught the attention of the Anti-Defamation League. Now, in the introduction, Liberty Lobby writes, It is not necessary for you to agree with the aims and ideas of Liberty Lobby to recognize that the actions of the ADL are contrary to everything that is American. What is necessary is that you and every citizen of the United States become aware that there exists in America today a force so powerful that it can determine what you should know and what you should not know, what you can hear on the radio and what you cannot hear, what you can read and what you cannot read, indeed what you are permitted to believe and what you are not permitted to believe. Now, right there, obviously, while some of the issues have changed, you can see how this applies to us today. For example, if you watch either Fox News or CNN, which are sort of the center-right, center-left, there are issues upon which the two sides agree. And those are issues that you will not hear disagreement on unless it is to be either just trashed or lampooned. Furthermore, if you consider some of the accusations that are being made against Facebook, Twitter, Google, the, the social media companies in general, as far as censorship of certain ideas go, this is very pertinent to us today. 
but moving on, the conspiracy against Liberty Lobby and its radio program was set in motion at an ADL meeting on February 13, 1974. As documents obtained by the lobby show, it was at this meeting that the ADL decided to get This Is Liberty Lobby off the air. One of the problems, as outlined during that meeting, was described as freedom of speech. Interesting. In other words, the ADL was going to have to find a way around the constitutionally guaranteed right of freedom of speech to squelch This Is Liberty Lobby. Arnold Forster, general counsel of the ADL, had some proposals, which included claiming that Liberty Lobby in some way threatened American democracy. So an unconstitutional plan was to be presented as acceptable by smearing Liberty Lobby as anti-democratic. Thus, the ADL counteraction against This Is Liberty Lobby was launched. The pressure began to build. Uh, hold on a second. Uh, members of the ADL who knew radio station executives or who advertised on radio stations carrying the broadcast were told to contact their friends and associates and tell them the broadcast should be discontinued. If that didn't work, the next step was a threatened economic boycott. Now, Vox Day talks about this in SJW's Always Lie. This is the uh, this is the point and shriek and then isolate and swarm portion of the SJW attack. And notice it goes back. We have it here over 40 years ago, and I have there's some reason to believe it goes back probably about a hundred years. I've seen talk about the Anti-Defamation League doing this thing going back likely to its inception around World War I. Now Liberty Lobby says, From the evidence you will read, it becomes clear that the ADL would like not only to exercise censorship over everything that is said or published in the United States, but also to prescribe exactly what is to be said on every radio and television program and in every publication and classroom in the entire country. Now this next part is interesting. If someone writes a letter to the editor of a newspaper expressing views that run counter to the views of the ADL, not only is that letter instantly answered with the official party line, which is only to be expected, but the ADL goes so far as to contact the employer of the writer of the letter in an attempt to have him fired. Now, just, I mean, just think about your Twitter mobs nowadays. If a person says something remotely interesting on Twitter, next thing you know, you have Joy Reid from MSNBC calling for that person to be fired, along with hundreds of thousands of blue-haired idiots. See, the tactics are the same, but the technology has become increasingly sophisticated. Now, what was the group's initial sin? Well, according to them, This Is Liberty Lobby attracted the considerably less sympathetic attention of Israeli representatives in the United States. For Liberty Lobby steadfastly and forthrightly opposed any United States policy which would use taxpayers' money to benefit other peoples at the expense of the United States, which would play favorites among other nations and above all which would involve the United States in the quarrels and wars of other countries. Israel is almost totally dependent on United States largesse for the maintenance of its aggressive war machine, and Israeli agents and sympathizers 
in the United States are almost totally responsible for United States support of Israel, which is an outlaw state as far as the other countries of the world are concerned. Now, tell you the truth, I personally don't want to get involved in that particular argument right now. I don't know if I ever want to get involved in it. I personally think that at this point, a lot of the money that the United States is spending on various things would be better not spent at all. At the same time, I'm not going to cry crocodile tears for the Palestinians like a lot of people on the right do. That's my two cents on the issue. That's not what's really at issue with this. What is at issue here is what happened once the Anti-Defamation League caught wind of this. The Anti-Defamation League immediately went after the advertisers of the stations that were carrying Liberty Lobby's segments. And uh, at a, there was a piece, or here's something they write. A later deposition by Jack Geller, one of the Advertising Lodge members who attended the meeting, this is a meeting between the Anti-Defamation League and these and various groups, was especially revealing, as will, will be shown later, but it does not take much imagination to conclude that the advertising fraternity was represented at the gathering for specific, sinister reasons. Advertising is the lifeblood of the United States communications media. Without it, a privately owned radio station or broadcasting network could not survive for a week. While Liberty Lobby's program was not dependent on advertising for its production, the radio stations which carried This Is Liberty Lobby, and of course the mutual broadcasting system, relied entirely on advertising for their existence. If the ADL could put pressure on enough advertisers to abandon stations which carried This Is Liberty Lobby, the stations would collapse, and few businessmen would let things go that far without capitulating to the extortion. Even the threat of significant loss of advertising would be more than enough to bring most station owners into line, whatever their personal feelings about the programming might be. And I'm going to read to you some of the minutes from this meeting, which are really revealing. Among the problems confronting the committee, which came under discussion, were the fairness doctrine, freedom of speech, etc., a memorandum from Justin Finger indicated that the Fairness Doctrine was of limited usefulness for counteraction purposes. Areas of possible investigation and counteraction were then discussed. These areas included A. Sources of funding B. Possible violation of statutes C. Tax-exempt status D. Possible congressional investigation This is what Vox Day talks about with... Uh, in appeal to amenable authority. The following conclusions were reached. Liberty Lobby is of sufficient importance to warrant ADL action. 2. ADL should undertake a campaign to express, that's a typo, Liberty Lobby for what it is. It's probably expose. The exposure should not be confined to anti-Semitism, but should include all areas which indicated that the organization is a threat to American democracy. 3. Counteraction to the broadcasts should be two-pronged. A. On the national level, the issuance of publicity exposing Liberty Lobby, and B. On the local level through the regional offices, the management of the radio stations be approached and informed of the nature of Liberty Lobby. This effort should be conducted jointly where possible with any church groups, 
black groups, and others who may be willing to cooperate. Four, that the 1968 issue of Facts on Liberty Lobby be updated and other information materials gathered for counteraction purposes. And then the meeting's adjourned. And the Liberty Lobby people write about this. This is a that this is a tactic which aims at mustering widespread and in particular non-Jewish support for ADL attacks and blunting the possibility of counterattacks against the ADL by hiding the special interest nature of the ADL's aims, making it appear that what is really just a threat to the ADL and Zionism, or simply inimical to Israel's interest, is also, a supposed, is also supposedly a threat to a wide range of other elements of American society. Now, the ADL found a, an amen, one of these amenable authorities in a congressman named Joshua Eilberg, who was a, a pro-Israel Democrat. And in one of their pieces, they quote him. It says, What I put into the record on July 18th, probably the congressional record, was not a smear, but a statement of fact. It was a detailed, documented report by one of the, this nation's most respected human relations agencies, the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith. For more than 60 years, ADL has defended democratic principles, supported the fight against bigotry and discrimination, and has guarded against extremist forces that threaten our cherished American values. One such force is Liberty Lobby. I stand by my statement that the leadership of this organization espouses great sympathy for Hitlerian Nazism and has been proselytizing its vicious and clandestine brand of anti-Semitism on radio, including the station, or this station. And they say that will give you an idea of how Congressman Eilberg responded to what he called a personal attack. He went on in his tirade against Liberty Lobby that, Liberty Lobby, when, when it maligns Jews, often veils the racist ideology of its founder with euphemisms like dual loyalty and Zionist control, and claims it is merely patriotic, but its undisguised religious bigotry emerges in the very pages of a pamphlet advertised by Liberty Lobby on this station. Now I want you to consider for a moment what happens nowadays when a group like the Southern Poverty Law Center decides that you are a hate group. The Southern Poverty Law Center, which is obviously a left-wing group, will put an organization on its hate watch site or its hate map for something like opposing gay marriage. Opposing gay marriage is then not so subtly equated with racism so the group which opposes gay marriage is now suddenly a racist group as well. Then major media outlets will quote the Southern Poverty Law Center as a civil rights organization that calls this group a hate group, and that becomes a fact in the record. And that is exactly what happened here with this uh, Congressman Eilberg. The Anti-Defamation League called this group a hate group, and this congressman quoted the ADL as the authority on what makes a hate group. 
this is what happens with the Southern Poverty Law Center. This is what happens with media matters. In many cases, they are called a media watchdog group. This is what happens when Planned Parenthood is quoted as a women's health organization. Pardon me, an organization. And in fact, if you look at Liberty Lobby on Wikipedia, the Anti-Defamation League is used as a source to show that Liberty Lobby is a hate group. This is why I say that the case on Liberty Lobby, for me as far as I'm concerned, is still out because I don't know who who is actually saying what. Because the sources that the Wikipedia editors have all used are clearly left-wing sources. So you can really see how the snake eats its own tail. Moreover, when these various left-wing sources are used as sort of nonpartisan, middle-of-the-road sources, this has the effect of incrementally moving the culture to the left. Because, once again, they're used as authorities. So when you see things in the media like sources say, or a civil rights group says, or a media watchdog says, these are generally the sources that they're using. And once again, finally, this is not really... this. This episode is not really about the Anti-Defamation League, and it's not really about Liberty Lobby. It's about the various tactics that these organizations use to get you to think a certain way, and to get you to think that there really isn't another way to think. Or, if you think this way, that you're some kind of crazy bigot. For example, it's why the Republican Party had to sideline Pat Buchanan, even though he was right about the Iraq War, and he was right about immigration, and he was right about many social issues. And notice, if you will, that National Review is moving culturally to the left, even further than they had been. So I hope that you either enjoyed this or found something useful in it, because what you're seeing here is something that has been many decades in the making and that is used to make you think a certain way. And so just realize what is going on out there and that you do not have to think this way and that you really should investigate things for yourself. So anyway, I hope you once again have a happy Friday, have a great weekend, and I will be talking to you later. Goodbye.